0: Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of Exodus and chapter 23, verses 20 through 33, and again, we are looking in the Old Testament at the time when God has brought the people out of slavery in Egypt. He has brought them uh, to Mount Sinai, and now he has uh, been telling them what they are to do and what is to come, and as always, I kind of, well, not always, but uh, often, I give the uh, kind of warning as we read through the Old Testament, especially with the laws. Um, we have to be careful in how we apply the Old Testament to today because uh, we live at a different time. And uh, what I mean by that is we live on the other side of the cross and of Jesus. And so when we look at the Old Testament, you can't just take it, at what it says, and apply it straight to today without going through Jesus. Go through him. Uh, he is the one who said, I did not come to abolish the law but to fulfill it. And so uh, we're always asking those questions. How does this come to us through Jesus? How does he fulfill it? Uh, with all this in mind, uh, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made, and God, we thank you for your word which you have given to us. God, we do pray that you would help us this morning uh, as we hear your word read and proclaimed, to hear your word. God, to uh, to think on what it is that you are telling us, God, help us to understand better who you are, God, that by your word and by your spirit we would be changed even more today into the people that you have made us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. Exodus chapter 23, uh, verses 20 through 33. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods. Or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them, and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year, because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out before you, until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea, and from the desert to the Euphrates River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land, and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land, or they will cause you to sin against me, because of the worship of because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. Turning then to our gospel reading from Luke chapter 5, verses 33 through 39. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say, the old is better. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we are uh, looking at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses uh, 14 through 22 this morning. And this actually comes as a part of a whole letter that Paul has been writing to this church in Corinth, Corinth was known as a wild place. Um, To be Corinthian was kind of a saying then, and it was uh, kind of a stand-in for wild living. And so we have this church of people who are wanting to follow Jesus living in the middle of a culture that's not following Jesus and who keep being pulled or pushed by the culture into following the ways of the culture instead of following Jesus. And so this has certainly had an impact on the church. Um, This is uh, the letter then that Paul is writing to them, helping them to see maybe what they haven't seen before and helping them uh, to recognize uh, what it would look like then moving forward, who they are to be in Jesus and how then they are to live. Um, Might this have something to do with us today? I sure think so. Where we've been most recently in this letter is uh, Paul talking about uh, eating, whether or not we should eat food sacrificed to idols. That's the section that we're in. And that's the section where we all go, this has nothing to do with us. Why are we even reading this? We should just skip this part. And yet, as we have gone week by week, it has. we've seen this is very much about the world we're living today. Um, and what it means for us, because it's not just about food, sacrifice, idols. That's the example he uses. But there's a much larger principle at work here about what it means for us to have the right to do something. And yet, for the sake of someone else, maybe not exercise that right. That maybe, actually, it would not be right to do it, even though we have the right to do it. That's what we've been uh, looking at. That's what we've been seeing. And... Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've even talked about uh, the athletes who go into training for their given sport so that they can win a prize. And he's like, look at the things that the sacrifices they are willing to make personally, the things that they are willing to give up so they can get that. He's like, and that doesn't even last. Now think about us as Christians. Shouldn't we be willing to make sacrifices? Shouldn't we be willing to give up things for the sake of Jesus and for our neighbors, of course, we should. And then he talks about uh, going, you know, thinking about Israel, the Old Testament, in uh, the book of Exodus, and how they came out of slavery in Egypt. God brought them out with um, by His Spirit and by uh, through the through the Red Sea. And yet. It didn't mean that they got to then enter the promised land because they kept turning away anyway. And so we looked at this and said, you know, this is where he's making the same comparison to those of us who say, well, I've, I've been baptized. I've received the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I can just live however I want. And he says, no, 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 this is, this is the problem. We've seen this play out before. Don't let this happen to you. Um, and so we saw the verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 12. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Anyway, that's what brings us then to uh, our verses for today, starting in verse 14. It says, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean that the food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Uh, Quick question. Is Paul a coward? Just based on what you know of, of Paul who wrote this and I know that we all have you know, different levels of knowledge of Paul, but what do you think? Coward? I don't love anybody who described him that way. <laughs> this is someone who has uh, demonstrated time and time again extreme courage of uh, someone who is willing to follow Jesus, even if it means putting his life on the line, even if it means coming this close to death, even if it means actually dying. This is what we see in Paul. And so when we see this verse that he opens this section with and says, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. When he's saying run away, you think maybe we ought to take that seriously? (laughs) He doesn't run away from anything, right? He doesn't run away from the danger of the Romans. He doesn't run away from the danger of uh, the Pharisees. He doesn't run away from the danger of anybody. But this, he says, we've got to run away from that. So what is it about idolatry that he thinks is something we've got to flee from? Why would he say to run away from this when so many other times he tells us to stand firm, right? Don't be moved. <laughs> stand firm. And then here he says, run away, run away. It's like Oh, he must be scared. Oh. <laughs> what is the threat here? It's different than the threats that we see him face, isn't it? That he stands firm in the face of. People come at him with physical violence, and he is not moved. But then you have this. Flee from idolatry. The reason he says to flee from idolatry has to do, really, the same thing. With why we stand firm and these other things, it has to do with who we are in Christ, right? And what that means is, if who we are in Christ is people who have been united with Him, then that means, as uh, Romans eight concludes, it says, uh, "I am convinced." Yeah, no know that in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You hear this? Bless you. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, if we have people who are uh, (laughs) threatening physical violence, he's like, I, I don't need to be afraid of that because that can't separate me from God. That's the thing that is the most important is my union with Christ. My fellowship with God. And there is, there is no sword. There is no government. There is no anything that can get in the way of that. So I don't need to be afraid of those things. On the other hand, what is idolatry? Idolatry is the very act of separating ourselves from God, of turning and going a different direction, of worshiping something else, something that is a maybe part of the creation instead of the creator. He says, Oh, we've got to run away from that. We have to run away from that. Back to to Jesus every time. Because that is the thing that is, that's where the real danger is. And then he talks about it. And he he says, look, look, think about this. I speak to sensible people, judge for yourselves. And he talks about communion. We share in the body and the blood of Jesus. He says, we are united in Christ. We are united in Christ. What we do is a part of who we are in him. And so when we give ourselves over to idolatry, what are we doing? We're separating ourselves from him or we're pulling him along with us. Either way, no bueno. (laughs) Right? Now, he continues and says, you know, consider the people of Israel and uh, think about, you know, read through the Old Testament, they sacrifice, they make the... Uh, sacrifices, and, and they're participating in this, right? And so he says this is where uh, we cannot participate in this idolatry. And he's already said, look, you can eat the meat, sacrifice the idols. It's not a thing. It doesn't matter. And he's not contradicting himself here. But what he is saying is don't take what I said earlier as though that means you can just go go to the idol feast and just dig in. He says, No. Because what the people are doing there is actually participating in uh, the worship of these false gods. And he's like, if you want to look at it, who is it that's pulling them away? It's demons. That's what this is uh, going towards. And He's like, you cannot be a part of that. Makes sense, right? He's writing to sensible people. You guys follow along. You see how this goes. You cannot be united to Christ and united to demons. That does not work. And so the way he puts it, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Now, let me ask you, does this have anything to do with us? Have you been recently invited to participate in, uh, you know, demon feasts (laughs) at the local pagan temple? Probably not. And so you're like, whew, good thing I don't have to worry about this stuff. And I don't think that's right either. Because while we may not have to worry about these specific things, I think what he's talking about is much bigger than that. And that there is a, um, a way that we are, um, very easily given over to things that are, uh, not of God, that are worshiping, giving our time and our attention and our energy to things um, less than uh, and maybe even actually evil. And that, more than all the weapons of this world, should terrify us. This is what we ought to run away from. Unfortunately, just like the people in Corinth, We're like, eh, it's not that big a deal. Everybody I know is doing this. So we just go along with it. What? I still come and have communion. I'm fine. And he's like, flee from idolatry. Do you not see how big this is? Um, I have included in your bulletin an insert that on one side has idle thoughts. That's not IDLE. <laughs> that's typically how we think of these. It's like, ah, it's just idle thoughts. It doesn't really matter. But I spelled it IDOL as an idle thoughts. These are the thoughts that we have that tend to be uh, leading us more in the ways of idolatry than we even realize. And I will say, with this, oh, we're going to go through all of them. But <laughs> uh, that's just there for you to take home later. Uh, but with this, I have put these intentionally in the plural, as a we instead of just I kind of thing. Um, but where the shoe fits, uh, yeah, about it. the uh, The other thing to note is a lot of these are things that we would never say out loud, and maybe even have a hard time admitting to ourselves that this is what we think, and yet. Some of this may hit pretty close to home in how we're actually um, living, Um, especially if we are not examining ourselves regularly. So here we go. So here are some of the things that people uh, think. Oh, oh, that was the other caution here. None of these was written with any one person specifically in mind. (laughs) So if you're like, he's just calling me out, I may be, but it's not on purpose. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, take that for what it's worth. The only person I know that some of these apply to is me. So there you go. I'll call myself out that way. Here we go. So we might think things like, it's our money, our time, our bodies, our lives, so we should be able to do whatever we want with them. Sound familiar? How about this one? Church is church, but business is business. So at work, We have a different standard for honesty and for how we treat people. How about this one? Gaining and retaining worldly power is so important that all methods of achieving this power are fair game. Besides, the way of Jesus can't possibly win if those other people keep doing such evil things, so we will also need to do evil if we want good to result. Sound familiar? How about this? It's fine to spread gossip about other people, as long as we say we're concerned about what's going on with them. How about this? We love spending endless amounts of time going over sports statistics, celebrity news, or political views with our kids as we are raising them, but we would never personally teach them about how to have a real relationship with Jesus, because we wouldn't want to impose our beliefs on them. Now, how about this? giving our brains another hit of dopamine by swiping our phones again and again is more important than being present and attentive to the people physically near us. How about this? We should hate our enemies, do harm to those who hate us, make those who curse us sorry, and plan revenge against those who mistreat us. Sounds familiar. How about this? We shouldn't be the ones serving other people. They should be the ones serving us. How about this? The fruit of the Spirit is fine for other people, but if we want to get ahead in this world, we need to go along with the acts of the flesh. Finally, how about this? We only go to church so we won't go to hell when we die, not so we can have a life with Jesus now and forever Learning as his disciples to live like him in laying down our lives for the good of others. I think the idolatry, the worldliness, the participating in the table of demons is closer than we like to admit. Just because we don't admit it doesn't mean it's not just as dangerous and just as deadly. Um, You may have noticed that this is actually a two-sided page, and if you are relieved that it does not continue with more of those thoughts on the other side, you and me both. Uh, (laughs) But on the other side, we actually have uh, some of what the Word of God says there, answering each of these in a way, Um, though there's certainly more that could be said about all of it. Take these, take these home, pray through them, reflect on them um, and see how we may need to repent from the ways of worldliness and idolatry that we have been swept up in just by the culture we're a part of see how we, can, how we need to be formed more by, uh, by Jesus. The ways that we need to flee from idolatry and be united with Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.